Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children. Today, I want to talk about one small moment in my production of Wise Children. Yes, it's small, probably no longer than two minutes in total, but it's a pivotal part of the story and therefore vitally important. Towards the end of the story, Wise Children, Nora and Dora travel from Brixton to Chelsea, where they've been invited to attend Sir Melchior Hazard's birthday party. Now, this is a party where they think they might be acknowledged by their father for the first time in their 75 years. We're nearing the end of the show, so the audience will be ready for a surprise and a big finish. Now, depicting travel on stage can be tricky and is often boring. You can walk on the spot, you can use a revolve, you can try slow motion or fast forward, you can pretend to get in a car or a train or try to jump edit. There are lots of ways to do it, but largely, travelling is just a means to an end, to get somewhere, to get to the next scene. This journey, in Wise Children, is almost the exact opposite. This journey feels incredibly important, it's more than just a physical journey. Nora and Dora are travelling from the south side of the Thames to the north. And for Londoners and our protagonists, this is a big thing. They're travelling from south to north. Illegitimacy to legitimacy. From poverty to wealth. And it's a vital and emotional moment. Now at first, I thought I'd create the journey with performer flying. I thought it would be great for Nora and Dora at 75 to fly up into the air with Lady Atalanta in her wheelchair by their side and for London to somehow be beneath their feet. However, performer flying is incredibly expensive and also really draining on rehearsal time and touring resources for the wider team. So I thought some more about other ways to create this magic. I decided, rather than putting my energy into the people above London, I'd put my energy into what they're flying over, into London itself. I started to think about animation, and suddenly the idea itself began to take off. To introduce a new form at this late stage of the story would change the language of the production and the gear of the narrative, and at exactly the moment when the audience will want it. The next question was, who's going to make this animation? I thought about several animators whose work I'd seen in theatre, but the real eureka moment came when I saw a tiny animation at an exhibition in Bristol that had been made by Beth Carter and Stuart Mitchell. I already knew Beth. A few years ago, I was walking past a gallery close to my Bristol home when I saw the most incredible exhibition inside. I fell in love with everything in that gallery, the magical, melancholic, emotional world that Beth creates and inhabits was intoxicating. But my heart stopped when I saw a drawing called The Dreaming Chair. I bought it and met Beth through that transaction. We've been friends ever since and have been quietly waiting for a way to work together. And here it is. Today, I've walked to a secret cabin on Bristol's harbourside, where Stuart and Beth have been holed up for the last few weeks, animating Beth's drawings. I'm Beth Carter. I, um, I make sculpture and drawing. That's my usual practice. I'm based in Bristol, and I sometimes do animation. I'm Stuart Mitchell. Uh, I 
have worked in digital media for years and in the arts and um, basically mix it up. I do animation, painting, printing and video work and installation work. With Coffee Made, they showed me a sneak preview of the work they'd created so far. I took my breath away as I saw 49 Bard Road come to life in front of my eyes. I found it emotional to suddenly see the house where Nora and Dora had spent their whole lives appear as if by magic. Pulling myself together, I asked them both if this was their first collaboration. It's, it's not the first time we've collaborated. We've done two animations before. Actually, no, sorry, we've done um, four, I'd say, I think. Sorry, it's not very accurate. Um, <laughs> Do you want to try it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to work out which ones they are, actually. Yeah, They're but all going to see what enjoy it in your memory. Oh, yeah. Joy okay. Collective Project, yeah. that's what I was trying to when work we, back to. Yeah. We met. That's how we met, wasn't it? That's how we met, doing a collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I came to Beth's studio in Bristol and ended up like looking at her as much as the artwork, so... <laughs> Very romantic. And I thought Stuart was going to be this sort of techie geek and actually he's like lifting all my heavy sculptures down and being all... <laughs> if you hadn't worked it out already, Beth and Stuart are married to each other. Of course, I already knew that they'd collaborated before. As I said, I'd seen one of their pieces earlier in the year at an exhibition called Sequins and Sawdust at the RWA in Bristol. It was a tiny wooden theatre ornate and perfect as it seemed to float in space. Inside this box, a little girl, drawn immaculately in charcoal, turned on a rock, and as she turned, her head transformed from a girl to a horse, and then back again. It was delicate and strange, and framed by an almost old-fashioned theatricality. Beth's work draws you in, you feel the tender weight of humanity, not in spite of her mythical iconography, but because of it. The Minotaur trying to read reminds us of our own struggles to study. The angry fairy wearing big shoes sitting on a huge chair makes us recall the girl caught dressing up in her mother's clothes. And the vulnerability of nakedness that runs throughout her work seems to celebrate and fiercely protect all that makes us human. Magical and truthful, Rooted and euphoric, Beth's characters slide effortlessly into my own imaginative world, and I believe into Angela Carter's also. It's, it's an incredible um, sort of parallel or, or you know, chance thing that we've that we share definitely. And uh, Stuart and I had that too. Um, we've always liked illusionary things, and um, you know that that magical element to things. Um, I'm trying to find the word as well. It's not supernatural, but it's it's where things are a little bit impossible and you can, you well, know... Magical realism. Magical realism, yeah. I mean, you, it's that. interesting you said that on, when you came in, magical realism, because yeah. that is how um, galleries have coined Beth's work, is magical realism, so... So tell us a little bit about the process. How do you go about animating the journey from Brixton to Chelsea in 1986? Well... We've, we're basically using a mixture of stop motion and which is basically, draw, as everyone knows, drawing, repeated drawing, 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 another drawing, another frame, another 20, 14 a second or 12 a second or whatever. So that potentially would, would be a lifetime's work just to come up with 90 seconds of animation or something. Um, so we're kind of mixing that with using a camera to fly over a drawing and a bit of time-lapse and, and some uh, wizardry with Adobe After Effects and Photoshop and so on 
So it's a real mixed bag, really, of, of um, digital and um, mechanical. And real life drawing, yeah. Because that's the thing. I mean, I I know about drawing. I know what you know. Had to create sort of illusions like that on on paper. But um, Stuart knows more what techniques to employ digitally and which ones will work best in the real. Um, and I sort of trust him to you know to advise me on that. I worked for years with a lot of um, early stage filmmakers, so young people and older people who basically are making their first films and so on. So I had to sort of understand, you know, media semiotics and the kind, the sort of timing of film, the language of film, and so on. So I can visualise potentially what what you know is going to happen if you animate something in 25 frames or 50 frames or how something will change them, you know. So I, I, I sort of see it as a moving image, whereas Beth sees it as a drawing. And the first problem we encountered was me getting Beth to stop drawing, because when we <laughs> said so she would draw, I'd say, just draw the corner just of the like, corner of the window. Just like, me up, off I go. <laughs> Tell me when to stop. And, and but I'd look around and then she would have drawn the whole window and I was like, well, that window's just going to appear because that's like, we haven't taken another photo yet. <laughs> I'm also sequentially dyslexic, which really doesn't help with what does that mean? It just means I find it really hard to remember things in sequence. My one, three or four thing, I'm like, oh, what was that again? Um, so animations are perfect. Animations are perfect. Is, is I, should, I should paint some of the picture here, which is we're in this amazing um, cabin. What is this place? It's a, it's a former firebase station on the harbour site. So outside we've got the Bristol Harbour and boats going by. And it used to be the muster station for fireboat Pyronaut when, when it used to put the fires out around the harbour years ago. So it, it's magic, it's really magic. It's this tiny hut opposite the Thecla. Um, and I've we've come in to see what Beth and Stuart are up to. And I suppose I'm a bit amazed that I think my perception of animation was it was going to be very high tech. But in fact, we're in a real artist's environment where there's the, the energy of a charcoal drawing and, and free drawing um, put up all around this cabin. So I'm really excited by that mixture of um, I want to call it analogue, but sort of analogue yeah. art mm. yeah. next to yeah. digital. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is a perfect fusion of that, really. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what our skills are. And, and we can sort of agree nearly every time on, on what aesthetic to use. You know, we, we like the same things for the same reasons. And we've, we somehow find it very easy to... Um, to say to each other, yeah, to just go, no, that's shit, no, that's cliche, you know, and we don't, there's not an ego involved in it, we can sort of take it, you know, it doesn't seem to affect our relationship too much. Um, so it's a shared really... aesthetic, but a great balance of skills. Yeah, no, exactly yeah. that, yeah. And, we're... and it's a really enjoyable process, because we really fire off each other, Stuart will sort of say something and then, it, you know, go to sleep and wake up in the morning, I go, and we'll just start talking about it again, you know, it'll just kind of be this... And we're working fluid. on the um, beginning stages of the, the... It's a very short animation in the middle of the uh, play, but it's this... We're, we're starting in Brixton, and the, the, it's a more poorer area in, at that time, and uh, it's, so the charcoal, the grey, hand-drawn aesthetic is more uh, at the beginning of the animation, and it will get a little bit more digital towards the end, although you hope it will we'll blend it in so that it all flows, but... Um, like, for example, I was researching um, night before last how to animate butterflies in, in, you know, digitally completely, but with photographs of butterflies. Uh, so they, they can fly around um, as and when we need them. But, uh, and Beth won't have to draw a million butterflies in Aww. full colour. 
Yeah, I'll draw some. <laughs> <laughs> Made them flicker really quickly. Um, but Stuart's got some butterfly wings, real ones. So, I mean, I, that, I think that's the that's interesting thing about how we work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under the one is Tiny back. on the back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, such a good image. <laughs> Literally magical realism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, no, I was going to say about the, you know, using real things... Um, just because things can become too slick and too digital otherwise and, and they, they look they're tied to be magical but they just don't quite have it I think it's better to see all the sort of bits of sellotape on the edge and little gritty bits you know and all the kind of things mm. where you know it's it's been created you know it's got a sort of human energy in it as opposed to something that's just code or you know it also yeah it, it gives it um, a more natural feel but it also I think the the I'm not guessing who the audience is going to be but the fact that we're going back to 1985 or 6 or 85 uh, and um, in my memory things were kind of hand drawn and black and white and flickered a lot <laughs> in those days you know it was <laughs> like <laughs> there was definitely a lot less technology around so um, it's <clears throat> nice to include that aesthetic um, for that time and place particularly. And as I leave that magical cabin and step back into hectic Bristol everyday life. I think how lucky I am to be able to share my dreams with others and for them in turn to share theirs with mine. The collective imagination is now in full flow on the banks of the Avon. Angela Carter reached through time and caught my hand. Now, still holding tightly to her, I am able like a trapeze artist in flight to catch onto the hands of Beth and Stuart we are a chain of strange daredevils, bringing our dreams to life and sharing them with others in different ways, with different disciplines, but all with the same mission, to tell stories, to tell truths, and to fly free with our imaginations. Mm.